I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, out there in just Super Bowl country, is I guess what we call it now, Corbin Ford. Yeah. How are you, sir? I'm good. You said it is Super Bowl country. It's crazy out here. Traffic's insane. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I work just short of Phoenix, but I'm also close enough that I'm able to see and it doesn't look good. So I plan on bunkering down all, all weekend. All I'm invested in when my friend asked me, like, what, who am I rooting for? I said the commercials. So oh, yeah. you're good for the water cooler. Like the Monday morning when you go to back to the office, you're ready. Mm-hmm. You're built for that. We were like, yeah, what did y'all think about the commercials? What did you think about this one? What did you think about that one? You're that yeah. you, you can uh, you can do that because I was never that was never my jam. I don't I'm not a commercial guy, Corbin. I, I've I never mean, done it. I get you. I'm only yeah. a Super Bowl commercial guy, and that's in the hopes of laughing. I used to okay. be more into football. Well, that's not really true. I've always been a Saints fan. Well, mm-hmm. you know, our week ended week six. So like our season ended week six. So mm-hmm. I haven't really been as invested. I'm not yeah. gonna lie, I'm not fond of either the Eagles or the Chiefs, and really it's because of their fans. So mm. I can't really root for anyone, so if I got to root for anything, I know we got the Flash commercial coming out, the Flash trailer. Mm. Kind of a DC geek. I'm going to tune into that. Okay. Um, hopefully, I see the commercial that made me laugh, and then I might just play some 2K. I don't even know. Like I'm Who's going to be the Flash this time? Is it still Ezra Miller or it's no? Still, it's still Ezra Miller. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah, they doubled down. They're committing to him. I, I Trust me, I have so many thoughts on James Gunn in DC. Whole other podcast for a whole other universe, but yeah, I don't like any of it. But I'm excited to see. Is Michael Keaton Batman's going to be back in there? So is Ben Affleck's Batman. Just for that, I'm in. That's weird. Wait, Ben Affleck's Batman's in it? Like, so is this not a part of the new universe? Is this just like one of the things they're finishing up from the last universe, or is this just this like okay? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hearing. It's supposed to okay. wrap up. It's um, coming off of like hmm. the Flashpoint comic yeah. storyline, which is. Yeah, it's where he kind of goes, the Flash goes back in time to undo the events that led to the murder of his mother, and uh-huh. then so just wrecks all of, you know, the, the time continuum in DC Universe. So, like, in Batman's universe, it wasn't, it was not Bruce Wayne's parents who died, it was Bruce Wayne who died, his dad mm-hmm. becomes Batman, his mother becomes the Joker, um, Aquaman and Wonder Woman are, like, hated adversaries like it's all kinds of crazy so they're kind of adapting that storyline a little bit but hmm. they also have a supergirl which is weird because she will never appear again um but neither again will michael Keaton's batman or apparently ben affleck's batman either so this is a one-off and i'm okay i'm here for it 
It's also just weird because it's like you already had the new Batman come out, so you already have the new guy ready to go, and you're going kind of back in time a little bit. Yeah, um, that, that, they, they they settled that by saying it's Elseworld, so <laughs> that's how that's how they did that one. You know what I encourage folks? My wife and I we go to the movies a lot, but we just went to uh, over the weekend. Last weekend we saw um, Knock at the Cabin, which is oh, what's that? Very good. Okay, I very fun. It's fun time and i was intrigued okay yes it's worth your time it's a it's a good it's a good time it's not too long it keeps you on your toes like i was going back and forth on which way um i don't want to spoil too much but you're definitely on your toes and you're not 100 percent convinced until the very end of what's actually uh going on here but it's it's a good time dave batista man he's a he's a good actor and it's a a very well done movie i i enjoyed it okay you've officially got me intrigued Yes, I would highly recommend it, Corbin. I would highly recommend it. Um, What I would not recommend doing, though, in the year of 2023, Corbin, is trading for Kyrie Irving, which is what the Dallas Mavericks did. And shout out to our friend, Mavs Moneyball's Lauren Gunn, um, who's going through it this week. And her team traded for Kyrie Irving. I think she even tweeted like ahead of time that like the Mavs could put together the best package over your Lakers and a few other uh, different uh, competing teams uh, for the services of Kyrie Irving, but ultimately Kyrie Irving is now a Dallas Maverick. He joins up with Luca. The report is that uh, they consulted with Luca before making such a deal. Dorian Finney-Smith, a couple picks, and um, Spencer Dibwitty to Brooklyn. Corbin, your immediate reaction to this trade and your gut instinct tells you the Mavs or the Nets will end up couple years from now looking like oh they they this was they they won this trade i mean it's so weird because i don't know like right now i my media reaction was dang i almost mm. cursed on here like the mavericks must be desperate mm. that's the only thing i can think of like why else would they take on a risk of Kyrie? mind you, i'm i'm partial to Kyrie the player i am mm. I think that he is an electrifying player. I think that offensively he's been at a sub-all-NBA level this season. Um, I think that he will work well with Luka at the same time. I mean, all the baggage that comes with Kyrie is indeed just that, Um, and you have to be willing to take that on. Uh, Dallas doesn't exactly seem like the most stable of organizations in terms of who I would most trust to take on Kyrie Irving. But then again, I want him on the Lakers, so what does that tell about me? Um, But aside from that, like I thought, okay, if Dallas is going to take that risk and give away their their best perimeter defender – then, wow, this is where we're at. What does it say about how the Mavericks feel about Luka Doncic? What does it say about how um, self-conscious Mark Cuban was about rebuilding, you know, the Mavs team and, and not making it so Luka-centric that he felt like he'd do everything and fans saw it as well? Like, what did it say about the infrastructure of the Dallas front office? That's what I thought. But then hmm. again, I mean, I get it. You want to take a chance on a talented player? Um, it just it could go really well. Um, what does really well even look like? Is that uh, finals berth? Is that, you know, going um, to the Western Conference Finals again because you did it last year? So are you topping that now? Um, not really because it's not a Jalen Brunson for Kyrie Irving swap. It's a Jalen Brunson, Dorian Finney-Smith, you know, the, the, the um, Spencer Dinwiddie for Ky- Kyrie Irving swap, essentially Kyrie and Markeith Morris. And then also... I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things that if it doesn't work out well, it could be shades of, you know, uh, 2015 Dallas Mavericks when they had Mm. a decent thing going, mind you. Remember, they had a decent point guard in Jameer Nelson. Not spectacular, 
hadn't fallen off all the way, was spacing the floor, knocking down threes, good in the pick and roll. That was it. Wasn't great, but he was decent. And they wanted the upgrade. And they made that midseason trade, and they got Rajon Rondo, who was the star. Uh, also the embattled player from his previous team. And we saw how that worked out. This could be the very similar situation. Spencer Dinwiddie, not amazing. But if you look at his number, especially in isolation, he was doing pretty decently playing off of Luka. Um, solid guard. Not going to, you know, pack the seats, but definitely was someone who was doing his job. And now you get a player who's, yes, the upside is definitely way higher with Kyrie, but so is that basement. Yeah, and I think they're they're kind of doing – I mean, it's so weird because Jason Kidd, obviously a defensive-minded guy, and they've kind of like – especially last year was more of the defensive identity. They play a super – like – I understand it in a couple different ways for the Mavs where it's like, all right, we're seventh in offense right now. Uh, I think they're 0 and seven when Luca doesn't play this year. And it's kind of the same thing that the Atlanta's calculus was. I think this summer when they traded for DeJounte where it's like, all right, it's been a couple years. We still can't figure out what to do when trace hits. And when trace hits, it's just, it's a problem because so much of the usage goes to Trey when he's on the court, like so much of the offense and how this team runs revolves around Trey. I think that's kind of what you saw in Dallas, especially this year with Luca putting up an MVP type season. But like if he misses or he sits, like it's just still not great. And then you lose Jalen Brunson for nothing. That's the other uh, just thing that I, I come back to with all this. It's like you could have avoided this whole thing by just locking in Jalen Brunson. Like Jalen Brunson should have never gotten to free agency. Jalen Brunson should have never departed for nothing. Like that's more of a disaster than I think uh, we even talked about in this program, Corbin. It's just that like, Jalen Brunson's having a really great all-star type year. He's not the problem that uh, Kyrie presents itself. Obviously not the same upside, but like you just got to the Western Conference Finals with Jalen Brunson. And there were still ways to improve this team around Brunson and Luka. Like granted, a little bit more complicated than a lot of other teams around the league, but you still could have done something more and you still would have had your two, basically two all-stars locked in for the for the for next couple of years and instead you kind of had to do this desperation move and send out a really good player and uh two really good players in dorian finney smith and spencer Dibwitty to just take a a long shot on Kyrie. but like your seventh in adjusted offense uh per dunks and threes 23rd in defense what's probably going to happen here right is they're going to fall significantly more on defense they're going to fall to like 28 29 but they might get up to two. They might get up to one offensive uh, and adjusted offense like with these two. Like nobody wants to deal with them in a seven game series because, I mean, those are just two of the best half court shot creators in the NBA. Like if you're Memphis, you want no part of Dallas. Like you want no part of a four or five matchup with Dallas because your problem is your half court offense. Like your half court offense is a, like just is not working. You go up against Luka and Kyrie in crunch time. Like it's going to be a lot of your turn, my turn, but my instinct is it's still going to be that's a team that is going to be really, really difficult to beat in a seven game series to beat four times, because I think that's just those are two guys who are just built to dominate in the playoffs. I agree completely. I think I think Kai Stunkin actually did a great piece on him, too, because you're right. Like, if it's going to be your turn, my turn, then it's going to be as good as we've seen. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like Kyrie's also versatile, you know, pin down Chicago action, things like that. He's also going to be very versatile in that regard, too. His gravity's a shooter. is going to attract more attention as well. And you're right. I mean, um, Coach Tyron Lue for the Clippers, who I still don't think is a great matchup for the Mavericks. I mean, there's no way with the size they have and the, just the depth of wing players that that's a good matchup. But at least on one end, Dallas can make it very, very competitive because as Tyron, Tyron, Tyron Lue said, mm. when they played Brooklyn, they blitz Kyrie. When they played Dallas, they blitz Luka. Can't blitz both. 
Mm. You know what I mean? And if you give either those guys a, a, a you know a two on one advantage, whatever the case may be, or, or him playing you know roll man on the top, him being able to pull up to a jumper, you know, or take the advantage off of that while your defense is scrambling, like that's dangerous. So I agree. There's a few teams I, I, that don't want to deal with that. The problem is at the very top. I mean, again, in this league, it's it, the very top in this Western Conference doesn't mean a whole lot. But Denver, Denver, I think would be very interesting. I think they have just enough wing defenders to make it interesting. And just enough offense at just the right positions to make it very hard for Dallas to stay in the mix, you know. Um, but if you're other teams, like this is this this could be a problem. It could definitely be a problem. Like you said, I like that Memphis matchup. I think that a Minnesota Dallas matchup would be good. What I'm really intrigued by is a New Orleans Dallas matchup. Hmm. Just all the different cross matches and, and attackings, all of that that can go on. Because as good as Luca. And Kyrie on offense, we both know for different reasons defensively they're not the best, you know. Mm. So, I uh, I also just we'll see. I don't want to make a prediction on Kevin Durant and what happens here because like over the next forty hours, a lot can change after we post this podcast. So like we'll see what happens with KD and Brooklyn. But from Brooklyn's side of it, like let's operate under the assumption that KD sticks around and the Nets stick with that. That KD is part of this. I'm curious, like if KD sticks around in the next 48 hours, I think they have to do something else. Like they're not going to just roll with this group um, with like nine capable wings. Like they are just so littered with quality veteran wings now that like you have to move a couple of these guys for something else. And it's like the most obvious one is something that I don't think they have any control over making where it's just like, I, if I'm Sean Marks, I'm just camping out DC headquarters where I'm like, all right, what is it going to take to get Beal over here and partner with Kevin Durant uh, over the next couple of years? Like, what what is it going to take? Like, what are we doing down there in uh, in DC? Like, we'll give you a couple of intriguing young wings, give you some picks, like whatever. I just I don't really know what Brooklyn can do to kind of re readjust on the fly um, post Kyrie in the middle of this week. Like, I just I don't nobody like when you go through the trade machine, you go through different rosters. I'm like, I don't really know who they could really still bring in that would appease Katie and also just raise their ceiling enough where they could really compete with um, with the Celtics, the Bucks, and uh, the Sixers in a seven-game series uh, come playoff time. Yeah, I- I'm with you. I-, I don't know. I think that there's mm-hmm. been talks about them looking to possibly get in the mix for a Fred Van Vliet or a Pascal Siakam, right? I mean... But that just I- doesn't do I- enough, right? No, but honestly, I, like you said, I, I I think it's almost there's parallel between that and and my Lakers. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I just I don't know if there is going to be a a move that you can construct right now feasible. You know, with the mm-hmm. assets at play to net you a player that says, okay, we're back in tension. And honestly, let's be real: when you lose Kyrie Irving, with all the stuff he comes with, he is a fantastic basketball player definitely a star player you definitely get a star back in value some of that due to the depreciation of his own trade value and also the status of his contract whatever the case may be you didn't get a star back right so now you are trying to make a trade with less <laughs> than what you had to upgrade your roster doesn't make sense you know it's like when the lakers accordingly uh, reportedly i mean we know that they didn't get Kyrie because the nets didn't want to trade Kyrie to him but also there's another reason if the nets wanted you know picks and winning players Lakers are barely winning. Don't really have a lot of winning players. So, you know, you're, you're coming with less than whole and saying, oh, I want to be better. Mm-hmm. Like, Chase, you have $100. I got mm-hmm. $15. let us make this happen. There's no mm-hmm. way it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And 
I think that's that's where you're at. I don't know. Like, I feel it, it feels like it'd be way too quick with what two days left by the time this drops. Yeah, one day left by the time this one drops. One day. Yeah. Trade deadline for Kevin Durant to request a trade, and the Nets to honor that immediately. Boom. At the same time, we've seen crazier, right? Mm. So that's the one school of thought. The other school of thought is okay, scramble before KD requests a trade again this summer to try to put a a competing team around him and hope that he can just elevate this squad of random appendages to more than the sum of their parts, a la LeBron James of 2018, you know, Mm -hmm. when they they restructure. And also, there's some parallels there, too. Both teams are constructed mostly behind the lead of their star player. Both teams did not launch, you know, fair to launch was a thing. And then front office had to scramble to retool and say, okay, we – Try to make, you know, chicken salad out of chicken-ish, and let's see what you can do. Um, and we'll see what happens. I mean, I think the East is significantly tougher than it was when LeBron was reigning. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, but also, I just don't know if the Nets have that type of capital. And let's be real. The, the, the Cavs back then could have done even more. Mm-hmm. They just didn't want to let go of that one pick that they had from Boston, I think, or no, from Brooklyn that ended up being Colin Sexton. Mm. So, I mean, if they dangled that pick, they could have probably netted a bigger fish. I don't remember that far back on who were the targets. But the point being is, like, they just have less to work with from both a player perspective and a draft capital perspective to make it happen. But at the same time, they have no other choice unless they want to see Kevin Durant leave, whether he asks tomorrow or asks, or whether he asks today, rather, or asks, you know, in the summer. Yeah, we'll see ultimately what happens here. But, I mean, it's interesting nonetheless. The West is wide open. Um, I don't think anyone feels great about any of the West contenders. I think the East is completely different where it's four teams now down to three. I think after the Kyrie trade that can win the East, it's just the Sixers, Bucks, and Celtics. Um, it will be interesting to see that. If the, like, if I'm the Nets, if the Celtics really did come to you, for a KD for Jalen swap like you're doing that immediately because I don't think you're going to get anything close to that good of a package um, for Kevin Durant I mean that would it would hurt to end it that way but like you could do way worse than restarting around uh, Jalen Brown and really giving him his own team and like his uh, and just what he's been I mean it'd be a huge gamble if you're Boston but if you're Boston you're also like Tatum and we talk about the seven game series stuff like beating a healthy Kevin Durant and Jason Datum four times out of seven. Um, it's just going to be really, really hard to do. And there's just not, you haven't seen two wings like that who are that good. Both sides, uh, uh, offensively and defensively now, we're like, that just, I, that would be something, something special, but health permitting. Like, you know what you have with Jalen and uh, KD, and you know they're going to play a lot of basketball together. Kevin Durant and the injury stuff, like you still just, there's more of a risk. The ceiling is higher. You feel better about winning a title with Tatum and Katie, but I don't know. Uh, that that would be the more the most interesting development here is if that became a serious thing. Um, Clay Thompson hit 12 threes last night, Corbin. I wanted to briefly touch on this because I watched this. I went through it, went back through it. Like all of them are different kind of shots. Like Katie, like he's just kind of been forgotten. Obviously, he missed two seasons but prior to last year. Last year was the first year I looked this up that he uh, shot below 40% like every other year of his NBA career, which is insane. He has never, even his rookie year, there was no adjustment for him from Washington state to, to golden state. He averaged at least 40% from three last year was 38% coming back from the Achilles and the knee in consecutive season, consecutive seasons. But like you watched it last night, it was so much fun. And the ball movement for 
Golden State, man, when it's cooking like that, there were so many extra passes and Jordan Poole shot the ball really well and he played really well and he's needed to be that, especially with Steph now being out for at least a month, it looks like. Um, because the Warriors are in rocky territory, right? If they they don't have Steph now and they're fighting for their postseason lives, like Steph will not be here for just the critical point of this season where like they're trying to get in that four or five zone where they were a year ago and at least have one run of home court. But without him, you could easily see them be a play in team. And then it's like, well, you're probably not winning the title because play in teams generally like they're just not running the gauntlet like that down there. I am so fascinated to see what Clay does because I think this might be the under talk, but we were like, oh, who's going to step up? Is it going to be Kaminga? Is it going to be Draymond? Is it going to be Andrew Wiggins starting to figure out? I'm like, what if it's just Clay is going nuclear <laughs> more nights than not? I mean, what if this 12 3 performance is kind of like, oh, Clay is just going to take over for a month and have a crazy usage and take a lot more off the dribble threes and just be like, I, I'm putting the team on my back. I'm putting Steph and this team on my back because I've been away and I want people to remember that. Um, just I'm a I'm a star and I can still do this thing at my age. Yeah, that would be crazy. I mean, we've seen some good before. We had a 50, yeah, 54 point game. You yeah. know, he's had like you said, 60, 12, I think. Right. Didn't he do 60? Maybe. I think he did it. Everyone's 60. been getting yeah. 60 so many times, Chase. I can't even tell you. I, I thought he like... did 60 was the night that he didn't like all the threes where he didn't dribble like all the time. He did not. Oh, yes. Oh, before. No, he's done this career. I yeah. meant this year. Yeah. Oh, this year. Yeah. Oh, my no. fault. No, he's definitely yeah. done 60. I was like, I don't know. You could have told me Edmund Summer had 50. I'd be like, oh, yeah. interesting. No, nah, but no. Um, no, he's definitely done it in his career for sure. Like, mm-hmm. yes. And the fact that he's still having games like this this year mm-hmm. is great because you get 33 coming off of a couple of just horrific injuries um and knowing that listen you aren't getting to the basket like that you know what i mean mm-hmm. you're not breaking a guy off the dribble you're just shooting you're doing a dang good job at it this is what you made your career on that defense which kind of slip but still like to see the warriors come together i think most importantly in the wake of having seth curry that news come out with all these mm-hmm. those two injuries i couldn't even pronounce you know same um exactly yeah to have them respond in that way was great to see the ball mm. movement work out the way it did. It was amazing to see Clay Thompson look of Clay Thompson of 2015 was awesome. And you know you can't depend on that all the time. You know you're not going to have a really good in check Jordan Pool game. Jordan Pool game. He played really composed throughout, scoring mm. and assisting. Kind of had that balance there. Role players stepped up, like you said. Ball was moving on a string. It was beautiful. That's not always going to be it because this team is not the beautiful Warriors squad that we've seen for years before. A lot of young guys there, like you said. A lot of wondering who's going to step up, and we still know how long Curry's going to be out in a tougher Western conference with a team that isn't as strong, but at their peak, when they get these moments, it's still magical. It is. And I'm, uh, I'm excited to see what they look like over the next month. We're going to learn a lot about who the warriors are and if they can still win the title, uh, this year over the next month and they'll have to do it without staff. Um, Corbin, should LeBron breaking Kareem's record change any fans' minds about him being the GOAT? As we're recording this before uh, LeBron, he needs to score, what, 38 tonight? 36. 36 to break it. Does it matter? Like, I was thinking about that the other day where I'm like, I wonder if LeBron thinks it matters. Where I just, it's such a played out argument of like whether or not uh, he's the GOAT in this. It seems like most, most fans, uh, myself included have MJ one and, and LeBron two. And like, I, I still would not get in like a huge back and forth. Like the Kobe over Michael and LeBron is where it's like, all right, we got to draw the line here. Mm-hmm. But like, <laughs> it's, I, I don't know. I just wonder 
does it change any minds if he becomes the all-time scorer and it's just it, that he can say that forever where it's like he already has the longevity he's now the all-time scorer he has the titles he's just the longevity and just staying healthy the way he's taking care of his body like they're i mean he's done it on so many different teams he's reinvented himself so many different times like i don't know what do you what do you think about that do you see this changing any minds um after he pulls this off one day this week it looks like yeah i mean i'm, I'm hoping it's tonight like kareem's gonna be there some of his family and friends are gonna be there mind you playing against like lou Dorn and another team that definitely doesn't want you to score it um it's not the houston rockets so it's a back to back too because the and the thunder just got cooked by the warriors the previous night so, yeah, so it's, uh, mm-hmm. and also who's to say that he does that and they're getting blown up by a thunder mm-hmm. but anyways we're not gonna go into that um to answer your question Mm. I, I don't know. I tend to lean LeBron in this because I feel like the only thing that Michael has at this point is rings, which is very important. But if that's the case, Bill Russell has more. We're not bringing up Bill Russell with LeBron. You know what I mean? So I do think that that's an interesting thing. If we're talking about someone who's, who's going to be the top scorer of all time and top five in assists, top four to be mm. exact, like that's a special thing, right? Mm. I also look at, like I said, the rings are Michael's, but I feel like the quality of competition he's played against. I'd like to see Michael, um, you know, uh, Scottie Pippen and them play against the Steph Curry Warriors team. Mind you, we can't do that stuff. So I'm just mm. throwing out hypothetical stuff out here of why I have LeBron first. But um, personally, I I got to say no. And the reason I got to say no is couple because a couple of years ago, LeBron said he was chasing Michael Jordan, right? Mm. Chasing the ghost. And what LeBron had as his qualifier didn't really state it, but in his qualifier, in the interview that he gave, I forgot where, but you can look it up, just a ghost of Michael Jordan, LeBron James, he was talking about championships. Mm. So if you change it now, you have every right to do so. You know, you're like, hey, I didn't know, you know, seven years ago I'd be number one scorer again, top five in assists. And looking at that, I'm like, hey, I want another ring. Like, looking at that, I'm I'm in contention. Um, but going by what he said himself or what he alluded to mm. is kind of the championships, right? I, I I would say that that would this would be a key factor for most. It is a key factor for me. It wasn't like Michael Jordan retired for ish, in stuff other than you know personal absences like the baseball sabbatical and leaving again in '99 because he's wanted to leave. Like all due respect, that's on him. You know, it was like oh Michael played this one, but he didn't. So you know we can't we can't talk about what he you know he didn't do. Um, it's such a weird argument for me. I've gone back and forth all over the place. Listen, Michael's everywhere. He's not going to go away. He's the GOAT for so many. This conversation might not even be a real legitimate argument for so many people for another 30 years or so, right? You know? And even then, those old-timers at that point, because they will be, are going to be like, when I saw Michael in 96, da-da-da, you know, like, it is what it is. So I don't fault either for their opinion. Um, I just think when you look at the scope of LeBron's excellence, the way that he's been able to play at such a level of 38 when we've seen our favorite players become, if they're still playing, shells of themselves at that time. You know, you get 10 points from, you know, Kareem or Kobe at 37. It's like, oh, my goodness, vintage co- t- 10, 10 points. You know what I mean? Like, if you look at all that he's done for how long he's done it, the consistent excellence, the quality of the competition, the championships, the points, the assists, all of that into summation, that makes LeBron it for me. But I don't know. Michael, man, has so many people just – I mean, shout out to my guy, Bo Estes, the NBA top 10. But, he, you know, he always says, I always go back to Michael. And I try to say and always lose, no, it doesn't. But it kind of does. Like, he 
like made the runway and people are so drawn to that that I don't know it's so much that LeBron had to fight past I don't know if it happens I don't think he can I just think it's just the peak of Michael is still better than the peak of LeBron and I think I, I'll never shake that the peak of Michael I just Miami, I think LeBron? He, yeah the peak yeah the peak's better the peak's better okay Miami LeBron I'm just saying that one more time so we understand like yeah. Michael scored more yes but yes like that's it I mean, it's not just that. It like I, mean, I wouldn't say like his defense was still there. The he was doing it without then. threes. LeBron could have been defensive player of the year back then. I mean, he's the, doing it without the, threes. This is the part of it too. Is like LeBron, Michael is doing it. Stuff. Like he's averaging thirty-eight a night in year. What was it? Year three with no mm-hmm. with no three-pointer at all. Like I, my, I think okay, I'm let you he has thirty-eight percent usage rate in year two. Like there was so much on his shoulders immediately in the league. Where like. I think we just kind of take for granted just how dominant like he had no bad seasons in his prime. Like he had no he had no playoff failures. He had no like just down years. Like I understand the take the taking time away stuff. But like LeBron, man, I mean, I, I don't think this is like I can appreciate both. But I'm saying like peak Michael when you go back and watch like I just I've watched so many of those games and I, I enjoy them both. They're just so different. Uh, in the way they attack the game and LeBron is a much more gifted passer obviously and I think a lot more fun to play with but like in a seven game series I think most guys during that era would be like yeah Michael's scared like Michael's just wired differently Michael has is just wired in a different way and I think LeBron is just always gonna be more of like a magic like he's somewhere like he's a souped up best version of Magic Johnson but like Michael is just he was so good on both sides of the floor. He did it without threes. He got to the line 10 times a game. Like he, he really did just put his stamp on every single big moment and just never, never came up short. Like he never had any finals losses. Like he never had those just issues. And I understand Scotty and Dennis were a part of it, but they, it's still the dude I think is the all time best competitor. And I think even like, that's not even a shot at LeBron. Cause it's like, I don't think many people are wired like Michael, but I think he was just the m- most ferocious competitor of his era. And he was also the most talented. And I think those two things just went hand in hand. And I just, I don't think LeBron was ever wired, wired that way. And I think anybody who, even in like just guys who play both, like Steve Kerr is probably a good person to ask on this. If you ever got true serum out of him, having played with Michael and then also just watching LeBron and then beating LeBron uh, in the finals and losing to him too. So on both, you got to see both sides of it, but like, I just, I think if you had to, you're like, you just had to have a gut feel as to like, okay, who is who would I rather have in this do winner go home situation? Like, would I rather put the ball in Michael's hands in the half court, or would I rather put the ball in LeBron's hands? And I think most folks would put the ball. I would say they're like, all right, well, when you put it that way, yeah, Michael is going to score there and probably win. LeBron's probably going to find the right pass to J.R. Smith in the corner and. That's just, it's just different. They were different. I, I LeBron's mean, still my second best player of all time, but I still think Michael will never be touched. I don't think we'll ever see anyone who competes at that level and dominates and just takes over game after game the way uh, Michael did. I get you. I, listen, I'm going to say something controversial here. Michael's mentality was great. Michael didn't shoot threes because he wasn't a good three-point shooter, right? Like, well, he could have if he learned. If Michael I mean, wanted to be... Why didn't he? Why didn't he? he play in the well, it wasn't the era. Like, won the era. He, he was scoring 30 a game without it. 90s. Reggie Miller was going well. In, but now he made his game that way, and he also scored. Yes. I'm just saying, Mitch Richmond, 
another guy mm. who embraced the three-point shot. Like, there's other contemporary shooting guards of his era. Michael shot 66 total threes in 86, and he still averaged 33 a night. That, not mind you, that's true. That's true. And also, I feel like I, I'd say one thing, too. If you look at all the teams mm. that LeBron played in the finals and all the teams that Michael played in the finals, mm. listen, those Utah Jazz teams shouldn't have sniffed it. Like, like half mm. the time they went to the finals, it was almost fate complete. Like, you know, like the, it just wasn't. I think he played in the height of expansion during his later years that let the unprecedented, like, you know, three peat double happen. Because mm. in the early 90s, I'll give him that, right? Like, you know, that Lakers team, somebody had to be there. They were the end of their rope, but they found it. That Portland Trailblazers team was good. Clyde just wasn't Michael, right? Mm. And 93 Suns team was good as well, but they never knew one for, for Jordan as well. So fine. But that other, that 96, 97, 98, I think at that point, like Michael coasted a little bit more. Seventy-two and ten, like the, like he was playing teams. The East was weaker. Some of his rivals that he had come up with in the early nineties were aging out. Now you have the Knicks. You know the Heat were still kind of still in the mix, but they weren't there. They just wasn't anyone on his level like that. Where LeBron's competition, I think, was so much tougher consistently throughout, and also the player empowerment age made it so much harder or easier for Jordan because he didn't have that. Because so many teams go, no, I'm going to be the best player on my team. Listen, Reggie Miller, all due respect, you're like the second best or third best player on the team. But, you know, pride and all that, you're going to be the leader of your team. Well, well great. You're going against Michael. That's that's not when you're going to win, when he didn't win, right? Same with Patrick Ewing. Same, like, there's a bunch of guys. He was kind of going against second bananas who were masquerading as first guys. That's my opinion. But here's my was You already averaged in the 93, the the third year of the, the, the three-peat. What? You average in the playoffs. 33 34 what 35 6 and 6 he played 41 minutes a night 41 there's no load management error for michael he's playing bonkers minutes over and over and over again he played 45 minutes a game in the 86 playoff for them that mm, that's okay i'll give you those numbers i think if if michael's in this era he's anthony edwards so i'm gonna say i don't That's all I'm gonna say. You know, I mean, he listen, the cats he was playing against, I think him and Larry Bird get so much flight because the defenders that we have now in this league, they didn't have then. Like like Michael's gonna score before. against these defenders. Michael's gonna have his way. Relatively, I agree. But I mean, not like LeBron. That's what I'm standing wow. on. <laughs> that was I can't believe you snuck in that just he would be to. Anthony Edwards right now. He would now. be Anthony Edwards. Prime Anthony Edwards is going to be eighties. My like, like. Well, no, I love Anthony Edwards, by the way. But like, oh, I love him too. We'll see. Anthony Edwards still like. I don't know if people realize this. He still has the potential in the next two years. Like, his ceiling is still best player in the NBA. Like, that's just there's not many guys in this league who it's like, oh, if everything goes right, he's the best player in the NBA. Like, not many wings like that who can shoot, who can defend, who have his size. Like, Anthony Edwards could be the best player in the in basketball. Now, will he ever get there? He's with the Timberwolves, so unlikely in that organization. But could he theoretically get there? Yes, and I will maintain that. We'll see if that happens. Um, last thing on the Lakers, though, what do you ultimately expect? If you had to guess what the Lakers do, what do you think they do? And if you were Mitch Cup or Mitch Kupchak, wow, uh, going back years ago, um, if yeah, you're Rob Palinka, what do you do this week? Listen, LeBron, you have so much media on you right now. You have so many people on you right now that all eyes are on LA, right? You have mm. LeBron about to be the top, literally the top scorer in NBA history, literally mm. making history. One of the 
highest it's never been done and you are 13th in the western conference i mean it's been done before but it's been done in like 40 years that's what i meant to say almost 40 years 38 years to be exact and you are like 13th and and and, and safely there you're looking mm-hmm. up at the houston rockets you know what i mean you're looking up at the oklahoma city thunder not the houston rockets my mistake you're looking up at the oklahoma city thunder like mm-hmm. you can't be telling me that you aren't going to make any moves with a guy playing like he is at age 38 doing this and you are sitting behind such luminaries in the Western Conference as the Jazz, the Trailblazers, and the Thunder. You're only ahead of the Spurs and the Rockets. Thank God for Texas, right? Like, that's it. So I think they have to be aggressive as all get out. I give them some, I cut them some slack for Kyrie. It looked like Josiah wasn't going to trade Kyrie anywhere he wanted to go. It seems like that was LA. So Josiah said, fuck that, right? I said, fuck. So, like, there it is with that. But uh, aside from that, I mean, you have to find something. The problem is, it's like we talked about earlier in the show here, when it comes to the Nets. Okay, mm-hmm. you have two first-round picks, 27-29, that's great. You can throw in Russell Westbrook. Boom, that matches salary. What are you going to get for that? Because if it's a package built around Mike Conley, um, Jared Vanderbilt, and Malik Beasley, okay, mm-hmm. two first-round picks for that? You know, I mean, it gives you some team flexibility. Jared Vanderbilt's a young forward who's been playing really well in Utah. You have a team option for Malik Beasley next season and not guaranteed for Mike Conley. So if you're trying to maintain some flexibility, it's great. But you're giving two first-round picks for a marginal upgrade at best? Don't know about that, right? Do you look at Detroit for Bojan Bogdanovic? And if Detroit's offering two, they want two first-rounders from, they're smoking. So you're not doing that. Mm. Do you go over to Toronto? See what you can get for that. I'm sure other teams can do a lot better. Fran Van Bleet hire Rich Paul? Yes. Okay. So there's that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can make that clutch connection work out, right? Mm-hmm. But if not, okay. Like Masai Ujiri ultimately is going to be the one who trades him, and he's not a clutch. No, I'm fine. Obviously not. But you know what I mean? So there's that as well. I mean, where are you going to get the package that you want? Charlotte? I mean, come on now. Like, if those guys are really playoff contributors, you would have lost it on a 15 and 30 16 right so mm-hmm. like the the packages that are available for the lakers to add to the team to make things happen aren't happening like the math ain't mathing with it so i don't know i trust me i want something to happen I, you know i want there to be a move that will vault the lakers to listen i'll say sixth place in the west i'll take it at the end of the day if ad and lebron are healthy and playing well both important things I'll take them in a matchup against anyone. But then again, like I said, if they're healthy and playing well, we saw their most recent game against the Pelicans. LeBron didn't have a great night. Mm. He didn't. AD played well, and the role players gave what they can muster, but they can't muster a whole lot. And if those two don't come to play, it's not going to happen. And if those two are on the floor at all, it's definitely not going to happen. So you want to try to cobble together a, a, a trade that, that works out for them. I, I don't know what that is, but I would imagine that Rob Palenka and this really reductive he has to make a move you have to do something and it has to be something that seems like substantial even if it isn't like that utah thing seems substantial you can't walk away and say oh um we did ruby hachimura and we're looking at the bio market because i'm just gonna throw i'm gonna demand to come on the show chase and just Mm. rant um but so far it seems like according to uh dan woke from the los angeles times it's fred van vliet gary trans jr bogdan bogdanovich from atlanta Bojan Bogdanovic from Detroit, who the Pistons said isn't available unless they're blown away, so just take him off. Terry Rozier and Mike Conley. Like, none of those guys are ideal. 
could they move the Fred needle? Fred Van Vliet's ideal, depending on what the package is. Fred Van Vliet is I'm ideal. Mistake. Fred Van Vliet is ideal. Gary Chen Jr. is marginal. Fred Van Vliet's the only yeah. one I'd say is ideal. Um, but all those other guys, I mean, they're, they're, they'll move the needle just because our backcourt's not super great. Um, so you're not but winning title. Say, even with, exactly. Even with Fred Van yeah. Vliet on in tow. Let's say he's there right now for Russell Westbrook, two first round picks. They probably throw in Gary Trent, Gary too, because like Gary Trent wants to move get, on anyway. I think Gary yeah, Trent would probably be in the trade. Let's say Jr. and you add on another contract. I don't know. Yeah. Let's say Lonnie Walker. I don't want to say Lonnie Walker. I like the kid. But let's say you say Lonnie Walker. Do you say, okay, we look at this roster now, LeBron, AD, Dennis Schroeder, Pat Beverly, Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., one of those is probably going to be gone. Austin That's Reeves. Long. Austin Reeves, Thomas Bryant, Wingen Gabriel. Like, we Thomas Bryant's been good. Thomas Bryant's been good. Not, all, not defensively. Yeah, when so that's okay. Like if you get 12 minutes of him spacing the floor and at least shooting well, he has value. And that's why you brought does. in Rui, right? In theory, yes. Yeah. His, his Lakers tenure has been shaky to me because yeah. he has mentioned a three very well to begin with. And defensively, he's been shaky, but just having more size out there has been helpful. Yeah. And the rebounding has been big as well. So I don't know. Like if I look All at it. All you need to I do can... with Rui is just keep showing him. Uh, like he's not allowed to leave the facility without watching two hours a day of Markeith Morris during the title run with the Lakers. Like that's all that's he, he should be allowed to watch is like, yep. that's what you're watching. That's who we want you to be. Nothing else. We're not playing you. This is not exactly who you are every single night. No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I I, I, I think that'd be smart, um, especially since he's spring year. I mean, yeah. also Mark, Markeith was 30 when he finally joined your 23, 24. Like you can do more, mm-hmm. um, but definitely within that, within that line. Um, give me the name that you would most like to see moved most ahead of the deadline and why? I mean, Kyrie was already moved. Um, mm-hmm. oh, this is easy. John okay. Collins. John Collins. Yeah. I'm I got sorry. some bad news about John I'm Collins. Sorry, Chase. I just feel like he's been talking, being trade. I'm muting myself. Why am I myself talking? <laughs> Lord. He's been talked about trade rumors for so much. Obviously not valued by Atlanta highly. I mean, all all actions the contrary if he is. Just saying. So move him. Give him somewhere where he's gonna be appreciated. Give him somewhere he's gonna be valuable. Like he can help a lot of teams. He can be nice in Brooklyn right now. You know? I'm not sure if y'all want Ben Simmons or matching salary back. That no. would be matching salary. Ben Simmons makes more. I can't handle Trey Young in a Ben Simmons led team. I can't. I no, can't do that. no, listen. Yeah. No, I'm with you. It'd be horrible. But like I, I just want John Collins. I like some of these guys that we hear all the time. They've been talking about being traded mm. to be moved. Also, I mean, Mark Stein apparently said that Milwaukee's expressed interest in New York's Derrick Rose. So why not? Like, that's weird. It, thank you. I agree. So I don't know. Like, like these. I just want action. You know what I mean? Mm. If I want a guy who who I need to be moved, it's probably John Collins again, just because we've talked about him trade deadline after trade deadline for what feels like six years now. And we know what where I was reading where they said in a passing note, I think it was Kevin O'Connor in the ringer. It was like he like if you remember, he broke the ring finger on his shooting hand uh, a while ago and he's shooting 23 percent still on the air yeah. from three. Like his shot has been atrocious. He's still doing everything else like he rebounds hard. He plays hard defense like he's not like he's able to out. He's able to do stuff. It affect the game in other ways like his shots not there. And that's been hard because he plays a lot of minutes with Clint Capella. So that's why the offense is, I mean, taking a step back, uh, not just DeJounte and Trey taking turns or not just having DeAndre Hunter in and out of the lineup or bogey, not for the first part of the year. Uh, Kevin Herter being no longer a part of this team for nothing is a, is a big reason why they're playing Justin Holiday. It, 
this is neither here nor there. What is true <laughs> is just that like I just if Colin's finger never gets right and his shots never coming back, like he shot thirty six percent from three last year. That's round league average, but if he's not anywhere close and that finger's messed up, like I don't know what his value is. Like I I don't know. Then he's like Kenneth Reed. Like he goes from a stretch four who can do different stuff to like the Markeith Morris types, um, who can play four or five depending on your lineup and hit corner threes, but also play really hard defense and just someone who can bang down low. I just I'm concerned. Like the shot is still not there were February seventh, and if that's the thing, but I wonder if that's part of the issue right now with him getting moved. It's just that like what if teams around the league all know about the finger and are like, if he's not going to, sh- if the shot's never coming back or the shot isn't coming back this season, why would we give up a lot of assets out of the deadline? Cause he's not gonna move the needle because he can't shoot enough to move the needle. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I mean, you, I feel like he's somebody, if Atlanta didn't keep trying to hike up the price would be a buy low kind of guy. You know what I mean? I think Large Lauren wants it. Like we, a Christian Wood for John Collins type deal. I would like that. I think that Christian Wood would. Give I think a Atlanta nice would do that. Inside. Yeah, and they give a nice. In- I mean, personalities that'd be fun. But they give a nice inside-outside mix between mm-hmm. you know Clint Capella and 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 um, Wood. You know, mm-hmm. and making that work. Guy, I think that John Collins would perfectly in Dallas, being able to play that power kind of forward slash center spot, space the floor just enough. Maybe he finds the shooting again. If he doesn't, mm-hmm. not super ideal, but better than what they have currently. You know, um, so no, I think that the, like the possibility of moves like that uh, would be great. You know, I just feel like I would like to see him move. Just I'm tired of talking about him every year. It's clear that Atlanta doesn't value him like that. All yeah. despite everything they say, you see it right now. Mind you, his place also been slipping. So soon, if they don't trade him this year, what they're going to wait till next year where they really won't get much. Cause there's only so many years you get, he's not going to play up to like what he used to. And you're going to want like premium return before teams are like, I right, cut it, you know? Um, but aside from that, Let's get something in Toronto. Let's see OG and Anobi moved. I want to see something spicy. Like, mm. I need to see a move of a guy who, like, we talked about could be moved, but we weren't quite sure. Like, a big name. Like, like Derek Rose, I didn't think he'd be moved, but also I didn't care. You know what I mean? Like, all right, whatever. But, like, let me get, like, a big move done. And not Kyrie, because once he requested a trade after all this stuff, I mm. knew he was going to be moved. So I need something outside the box. I want DeAndre so, Ayton moved. Ooh. That'd be funny. Like, I want to see the Suns. Like, I want to see what they do because I think they're just another team that's just floating um, and hoping everything goes. Um, just kind of, they all get healthy and every the switch just flips on. Like, Cam's healthy and then they trade Drake, Jay Crowder. Mikhail's healthy. Chris is healthy. Devin gets comes back and he's back to his MVP level form. And then, hey, we're right back into contention in the West. Like, I don't know. Like, it's a big gamble uh, to kind of stand pat and just bet on. Um, your health and just getting your guys back that you'll be fine and ready to go. But I don't know. I, I think DeAndre Aiden floating back out there would be would be interesting. Um I don't know if anyone else really um jumps to mind outside of that. I guess Pascal is probably the best one where it's like because of the Raptors and I think he's played like an all star even though if he didn't make the team. Mm-hmm. Him being moved, I'd be curious to see if he moved the needle for a contender. Like if you added Pascal and then suddenly it's like this team who we were mm, and then it's like, oh he really is like, can you put him around other all-stars or a, on a contender? He, he reaches another level. Um, so I don't know. Pascal is such a unique player yeah. that I feel like not, he's not a system player, but he's yeah. not like a perfect, like great shooter to be that type of guy to space out. He does a little more playmaking than maybe you'd want unless you're on and off with another guard. He's a unique piece, but I agree. Mm. Like that'll be interesting. I mean, all these guys are talking about bring him to the Lakers, right? Like Pascal, Pascal doesn't fit the Lakers. Rest. 
no, he doesn't. But it's talent. It's talent. Yeah. Like, it, like, it, like, like right now, the way the Lakers are constructed, you're right. It's gonna be weird for mm-hmm. sure. But at the end of the day, listen, if we're talking about like the stockpiling of talent in the Western Conference, the Lakers are short of ammo. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like they they don't quite level up. Yeah, we'll see um, what ultimately happens. But I, I feel like Van Vliet ends up in one of the two LA teams. That's my guess. Well, it's not the Clippers, and if it is, I hope they got them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, personal bias there. I mean, both teams are going to do something. Like you yeah. have to either be swayed by those two unprotected first round picks, which with Rob Link at the helm, I would be. And that's Lakers bias aside. I do not trust the Lakers front office outside of drafting talent specifically into the second round. Like they've done a great job of that. Um, Max Christie over James, uh, over, um, oh my goodness, uh, Jaden Hardy. There you go. Okay. That's the yeah. only one. I was like, it's not James Hardy. Why am I thinking James Hardy? But because he's playing like him. But anyways, mm-hmm. no, I didn't like Max Christie over Jaden Hardy. That's the one thing I didn't. But aside from that, I've liked every pick that the Lakers have done in their scouting department. But aside from that, just the way they look at assets, the way they make trades, all of that. Listen, if I'm getting picks from in the future, I'm just sitting tight. We're going to be good in a couple of years. Let's start looking at those 10-year-olds. There you go. Um, last thing, and we'll wrap up here uh, tonight, Corbin. Anthony Edwards, was he the biggest all-star snub for you? He is averaging 26, 6, and 5 shooting he's almost near the 50 40 90 club i mean that's he we talk about him like you made the joke about mj but it's like what we've seen without carl anthony towns it's his team he's made this jump like everyone wants to throw in De'Aaron fox is that uh, a guy who's just mm-hmm. should get the an all-star spot uh when guys opt out with injury stuff and everything else but like anthony edwards i think he i mean he's right there and i just that's one name we didn't mention because he's hurt, but like Carl Anthony Towns is probably the odd man out in Minnesota because like you're locked in with Gobert. You can't really do anything there. And it's just, it didn't work. Like it was a mess with those two. And it's now uh, Anthony Edwards team. You, sh- you kind of have to build around Edwards and Gobert and see what you can do. And I, I if he was healthy, I'm sure Carl Anthony Towns would be generating a lot of interest, but maybe that's more of a summer thing for Cat. But I don't know. Is Anthony Edwards the biggest all-star snub for you, or was there someone else who you thought deserved it and didn't make it? It's Anthony Davis easily for me because okay. <laughs> no, no, was I'm, it Anthony? It could be Anthony no, Davis. That's I'm, a I'm gonna fair give you snub. my three in order. Thank you. I'm gonna give you my three in order. It's Anthony Edwards first. Mm-hmm. It's Anthony Davis second, and then it's De'Aaron Fox third. I get De'Aaron mm-hmm. Fox because of the winning, right? No Eastern His Conference numbers, snubs. Huh? No. Uh, uh, no Eastern Conference, oh, no Eastern Conference snubs. snubs. I apologize. Yeah. No. He's like Jay Butler's been I, Jalen Brunson's been I, Pascal Siakam. Like these guys, I'm looking at for different reasons. Sacramento's been great. You got to reward a team that's that's up there, right? Mm. And if you look at that, like you're looking at a guy in both DeMontis Sabonis and also De'Aaron Fox, right? Mm. De'Aaron Fox numbers, I mean, he's averaging the most points um, and uh, rebounds and assistance is 20, 20, 21, one season. So, you know, you had to step back last year. So that's great. But the numbers are great. And, you know, I, I could see both teams as I could see the Sacramento Kings deserving of two All Stars, right? Mm. And I would have wanted I would have wanted both Edwards or uh, Fox over Paul George because going to Edwards, this career high in points, rebounds, assists, efficiency has been great. He's taking over a much bigger role offensively, a much higher usage rate, having to deal with more both focused defensive attention and the own limitations of his team in clogging the paint, not getting a lot of shooters, bringing Rogel Bear and the lack of chemistry there and still somehow thriving and having the Timberwolves at the time that 
they were made the all-star selections only a game behind the Clippers. So, and playing most of the games, fighting through a hip injury. I definitely had Edwards second, um, or Edwards first, rather, fought second. And then, like, come on now, for a minute, Anthony Davis had all the hype for almost a solid month. He Lakers like, all right, make a move now. Look how great he's playing. Like, he was dominant. You know what I mean? Those numbers are great. He's missed some games. Well, guess what? A lot of those guys you have in that starting lineup, not in the starting lineup, but in that roster, have missed games as well. And I get the not winning, which, you know, but they were winning when if you took the record of just when Anthony Davis played, that's still good enough to make your argument for it. So that's what I would put. I mean, he was averaging like almost 30 points a game, 13 rebounds, a block, a steal. Like the guy was a monster, you know? Um, and I think he had a more impactful stretch of play when healthy than we've seen a lot of other guys so far this season this entire time, dealing with less injuries. So that would be my my top three. Um, on the East, I don't know. Like all those guys had similar numbers to me. Like, yeah, you can make hmm. an argument for Jimmy Butler, I guess. You can make an argument for Pascal Siakam as well. Um, you mean 26, eight and eight or something like that? 25, eight and eight. That looks good. You know? Um, and if, if we're talking about a snub of someone who should have went in and placed somebody, then yeah, like Kevin Durant's not playing. So we'll see who gets brought in. Right. And on the West side, Steph Curry's not playing. So we'll see who gets brought in for that. I think whoever gets selected as the replacement, I think we'll really see from there what that looks like, but I think Sacramento's going to get it like the beam and all that, you know, there you go. I like it. Corbin, what can the good folks check out from you all across the internet this week? You know what? I'm doing some trade guides. Some well, now they went from trade guides to division trade guides because honestly, like I don't know how you do. I'm trying to get like you on the NBA side in terms of getting all these guests and everything. It's a lot, and your boy did not finish the assignment. So we're gonna just generalize some more of these teams here. Okay. But you can find that. I got a new project coming up. Can't release it just yet, but a new little audio series event is going to be coming up soon. So definitely stay tuned for that. Um, you can find all of that. If you are so inclined on Twitter or Instagram at Corbin MBA, actually just stick to Twitter at Corbin MBA. There you go. Corbin. Thank you. As always, my friend, Lauren, we miss you this week. We uh, happy early birthday to Lauren Gunn. Go wish her a happy yes. early birthday. Well, I guess birthday as the folks That's are listening to listen. this, yeah. uh, this week on our Twitter and all that good stuff. But Corbin, thank you as always, my friend. And I will talk to you again very soon. Yes, sir. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm -hmm. your um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.